We are in a, <clears throat> in a series called uh, Stormproof that we are just taking a few weeks as a break from our study in the Gospel of Matthew uh, to talk about how we can prepare for life's difficulties before they happen. One of the things that's so valuable that God gives us is he gives us the directions that we need so that we can live skillfully, insightfully, and successfully before God. And we looked at that idea last week that it all begins with a fear of the Lord. If we are going to have any understanding of the world, if we're going to have the right lens by which we see things in life properly, then we need the fear of the Lord to be that very start point. And now what you have in the rest of Proverbs 1 are three pictures of the preparations that we need to make so that we can be ready for life storms. Three directions, three instructions that God gives to us to to tell us, here's what you need to do so that you can be ready for when those difficulties come. And you might be surprised by some of the directions that, that are given uh, I know for the first one, everyone's going to, well, not everyone, but the kids, the kids will all roll their eyes at it. But you have God stepping into these moments and saying, no, really, this is, this is ultimately what you need. And you'll notice that the first thing that the proverb writer says is that we need to listen to parental direction. Notice Proverbs chapter 1 and in verse 8. Proverbs 1 verse 8, it reads, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. I want you to notice that really the, the, the first picture is listen to your parents. And, and I think as a kid, you immediately go, you've got to be kidding me, Right. Uh, how can that be what, what we need? And one of the things that I, I find interesting about life is as a teenager, I think every teenager thinks their parents have no idea, they don't understand, they're old-fashioned, they're outdated, they don't get it, they're out of touch, and life is not like uh, now what it was then. And what's so funny is, is it seems like you almost have to, what, hit mid-20s, 30s, or have kids, or something to that effect. When you finally are able to have a moment and you go, okay, <laughs> I, I, I understand what they were trying to say. I understand what they were trying to do. I get the directions that they, they were pointing to. At the time, they seemed nonsensical. At the time, they seemed out of touch. Your, your parents always seem old, right? And so they don't get it. And I want you to listen to the, the, the writer of Proverbs starts by saying, there is a direction, of course, for life in terms of building wisdom. And the first thing is just to listen to your parents and one of the reasons why that he gives, it's, he states it later in chapter 4, but basically because your, your parents have experience that you don't have. And I hope you'll think about that's true for a lot of life. Sometimes when we read the Proverbs, we think about the directions that are given to the children. We only think of, okay, so if you're like under 18, this applies, and then you turn 18 and, you know, all, all bets are off. But your parents always have that, that skill set, that experience. 
that understanding that you are allowed to tap into, that God is telling us you need to do that, to listen to their directions and listen to their instructions because they do have experience that you don't have. And hopefully as a good parent, what they are able to do with their experience is to remember what life was like at your age. Tap into that, remember, and give counsel and wisdom. And I think that's an important factor, is that there is a direction that is giving to the children and saying, your parents have the ability to look back at that time and They were actually your age at some point. I know it's hard to believe, but they were. And they know what life was like and they understand the difficulties. And one of the things that I think can be challenging is we just think there can be such a a distinction of time. Well, you know, they're 20 years older, so they don't understand. But one of the things I would like to kind of help dissuade that thinking is that these Proverbs were written somewhere in the ballpark of 3,500 years ago, and they are still extremely relevant. So your parents are not that out of date. (laughs) If wisdom of 3,500 years is still holding, then the experiences of 20 years ago can also still hold. That it can still have the experience and wisdom and knowledge and understanding that you ultimately need to have. And the world has not changed as as much as you think. It hasn't changed as dramatically as you think. Humans are still humans and still have the same motivations and still do the same things. And those experiences can be valuable to you. And so the, the, the writer here begins by saying, listen to them because they have an experience that they can impart to you, that you can understand. And second, you will notice that he was telling us there in verses 8 and 9 that you should listen because it will ultimately be glory for your life. And the descriptions that are given there are, are pictures of wearing beautiful jewelry. It's like it's only going to enhance your life if you will listen to what they say. If you will listen to what they say for what experience and wisdom and knowledge that they possess. And I think that's that's useful for us to think about is that we are looking at parental instructions with that lens. Sometimes we can think about our parents instructions in a very negative light. And I want you to see that the writer is saying, I want you to look at them like like beautiful jewelry because it's made to enhance your life that these directions are intended to beautify your life and a good parent is going to want to give you good instructions at the end of the day now that I have my three kids and watching them now traipse their way out of the house unbelievably you always have this desire for their best intention and life You want them to succeed. You want them to do even better than what you've done. You want them to far outshoot anything that you've been able to do in your life. And you desire to give them the knowledge and wisdom and experience that you have so that can happen. So look at their instructions when they step into your life and say things to you that they're doing it with that purpose. 
And that really leads me to an important side point that I think is necessary to talk about here is for verses eight and nine to exist, to say, listen to your father's instruction and listen to your your mother's teaching, then gives a very important direction that what parents are constantly doing are giving those teachings, giving that guidance and giving that kind of correction. And that's just should be a, a, a constant That as you are living life, what you are trying to do for your children is just impart as much of that kind of knowledge and wisdom and experience that you possibly can to them. Uh, When our kids were, I can't believe I'm at an age where I can say when my kids were at home. That is unbelievable. I can't be that old now, right? But I am. But when the kids were at home. We tried to take advantage of every time that we had to constantly speak to them about how to look at the world and how to look at God. And we would take advantage of as many moments as we could to try to express those ideas. Our dinner table, simple rule, no TV, no electronics. We just sat at the dinner table and it was conversations and we were talking about things, what's in their life, what they needed to hear, what's going on in the world, what's going on at school, so that there can be the times to give these kinds of directions, to give this kind of understanding and knowledge about how to look at things. And just as important as as parents, what you see here, if we're going to have listen to your father's instructions and and, and do not forsake your, your mother's teachings, and that means as parents, we are going to have to take those moments where we're going to step into our children's lives and tell them things because they're going down a path that's not good. We're going to be willing to do that. And I know I did it to my dad when dad started in on something. And my answer was, oh, dad. Uh. <laughs> oh, no, I know. Okay, okay, okay. Can we get this over with? You know, that, that kind of thing. And as parents, you need to have a boldness to step into those moments and step into those times when your children need to be told something because what they're doing is not good for them. We have a a terrible situation that's building in our culture right now that is easy for us to adopt, which is, well, just make excuses for your children and defend everything they do. Don't ignore what they're doing and don't excuse what they're doing and step into their lives and give them the correction and the instruction that they need. We are being told to do that. If we want our children to have this picture of this graceful garland and pendants for the neck, if we want them to have a beautiful life, then there's a call for the children. Listen to what your parents are saying. But that says, parents, you better be saying something. You need to be giving those corrections and guidance and discipline and direction. You need to be stepping in and telling them what they need to do. And kids, when your parents do that, don't shrug them off. Because if they're having to step into your life at that moment, there must be a reason why. That they need, you need to hear what they have to say. And so he begins this picture of if you want life preparation, think about what your parents taught you. Think about the directions that they gave. Think about the experience and wisdom that they gave you. 
And then he gives a second picture. Listen to what he tells here in verse 10. In verse 10, he says, now, my son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole. Like those who go down to the pit, we shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us that we may have one money bag. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil. They make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. Second piece of wisdom, he says, if you want to avoid life difficulties, is see evil as a trap for your life. To really understand that ultimately what sin is, is a trap. It is setting out this trap that's going to ensnare your life and ruin your life. Do not listen to the enticement of sinners. And you will notice that he calls it an enticement. What the people in your lives who are doing evil want to say to you, say it in a way so that it sounds like it's going to be fun. That's always the way it is. We're going to do something that sounds really, really fun. Let's go do. And notice that there's a warning that is being given here. Don't go with these circles of people in your life that are trying to entice you to do wrong. And friends, there are always times in your lives, no matter your age, where you have circles of people in your life who can be attempting to use their influence that they have to try to get you to do wrong. They're trying to get you to go the wrong path. That unfortunately happens a lot when you're at work, where you are surrounded by people who are going to try to get you to do things that you shouldn't be doing at work. I remember having to deal with that and doing the various jobs that I had as a low-level gas station guy and, and grocery store guy and all of that. The people you're surrounded by are trying to take you the wrong way often. They're often trying to encourage you to do things to break the very rules by the employer you work by. You're always going to have these temptations of people who are around you who are going to want you to do the wrong thing. And they're going to make it sound like it's a lot of fun. And so he's trying to give an important warning. In verses 17 through 19, notice the imagery he gives. It's setting a trap for you. Oh, I wish we would see it that way. I wish that we would see that the enticements and temptations that come our way are the same thing as this picture that he gives here in verse 17 when he says, it's useless to set a net as a trap in front of a bird. You know, here you are, here's this bird watching you and you're trying to catch him, right? And you've set this whole net up and he's just watching you do it. Do you think he's that dumb? <laughs> he's not going to fly into the net. Of course you're not going to do that. He watched you set the trap. But notice what the next line is. This is what people are doing to you. They're setting a, a net, a trap right in front of your face. Why are you walking in it? Don't walk in it. It's a trap for your life. It is only going to harm you. In fact, I want you to notice that verse 18, he says, 
They set an ambush for their own lives. If you're an adult, I imagine you are able to look back over the history of your life and think about people in your life that were circles of friends at various ages. And the choices that they made were simply going to ultimately destroy themselves. And you can look back and just watch their life veer completely off course. I have so many friends that I can look at in my lives that were very close to me. Some of them even that were Christian friends that grew up on the pews. And they made certain decisions that absolutely wrecked their future. It just flew their life in a completely different course. And you can probably look over your life and see people that way, whether it be from college or at work of people that you know who made decisions and you see where they're at now. People when you were kids that you grew up with. That the writer here is giving us a very important instruction that we need to not run with people who are going to destroy us because they don't care about you at the end of the day. The people who are trying to entice you to do wrong are not going to be standing beside you when you're in trouble. How many times did you have that happen? Or, you know, you're doing something and then you're like, look around and they're gone. (laughs) Like, wait a minute. (laughs) There they go. They're not going to stand beside you when you get arrested. They're not going to stand beside you when you're getting in trouble with your parents. They're not going to stand beside you when you're in trouble at work. They're not going to be there side by side with you. They don't care about you. They are only setting a trap for your life. And so he's giving this warning. If you want to avoid life's difficulties, don't run with people who are trying to do that to you who are telling you to go ways that you know you shouldn't go. Those are not friends. Those are not people you need to be worried about and having a circle with. They're only going to harm you in the long run. I watched that happen so many times where I I'm, got to watch my daughters who had a, a circle of friends in their lives particularly in high school, where they had to make a really hard choice and break away from that circle because that circle was moving the wrong way. It was a circle that was moving into drug use. It was a circle that was moving into all kinds of immorality and have the ability to say, you know, that's going to be a disaster if I hang out with them longer. That's going to be a real problem if I keep going down that course. That that needs to be instilled into not only our children, but be, to be in our minds that we have the wherewithal to say, this is going to be a trap. Now, one of the things that I think that we should be thinking about in terms of how we can help with this is I, this is one of the reasons why it is of the utmost importance that we create real family relationships in the home as well as in the church. Let me explain what I mean by that. First, to have a real deep relationship connection in the home is really, really important. That the home needs to be a safe space for your children so they can have the confidence to say no to those circles because they know they have you at home. 
that they know they're going to be okay, that that doesn't have to be their center of identity and value and focus and concern, that they're the ones that matter and I need their approval no matter what because they have that at home so they can say no to that. We tried to make it for our kids that if there was something your friends were doing that they did you know you shouldn't be doing, tell us we'll do something better. We will outdo whatever dumb thing they're doing. And we try to just run with that. Okay, they've got that going on. We're going to do this instead. Make the home a place that your kids want to be attached to, that they want to belong to, so that they can say no to those friends. The attraction is so strong when they don't have anything else to go to. And so they run with their friends. And they're going to do what they want because they need their love and their approval. And so it's incumbent upon us to build that. Now, I want to say that as adults. You want to know why it's really important for us to have that same kind of family relationship and connection here? Same thing. Rather than doing dumb things with worldly friends that I know I shouldn't be doing, I could be doing it with you. Rather than dumb things that the coworkers are doing after work that I don't need to be doing and places I don't need to be and activities I don't need to be a part of, I can make those connections here instead so that we have those strong bonds and strong relationships so we can do things instead of that, that we have that kind of bond and that identity and concern for one another. That's why this is so important. That's why I stand on my head and say, don't just come to church and leave. Build relationships. It's of the utmost importance to you because the writer here of Proverbs is trying to say, The world is setting a trap for you and to avoid those kinds of circles of people who are going to wreck your life because you go down that road. Don't listen to the enticement of sinners, but instead look for godly friends that you can have happy alternatives with. Don't run with them. And the warning of verses 18 and 19 should be so important to us. It takes away the life of its possessors. If there's anything I could say to you, It will destroy your life. 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 It's not worth it. It's not worth it. You don't know how much more time God has ahead of you, but you have time ahead of you. Don't throw it away by running with circles of people who are going to ruin your life. And then number three. Number three is get wisdom. I want you to listen to the picture that's given here. It's, it's, it's an amazing visual of how to get your life ready for difficulties. Verse 20. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. And in the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing? And fools hate knowledge. If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you and I will make my words known to you because I have called and you refuse to listen. I've stretched out my hand and no one heeded because you have ignored all of my counsel and would have none of my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. Then they will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Because they hated knowledge 
and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all of my reproof. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread or disaster. I want you to notice in this scene you have wisdom depicted as this this beautiful woman who is walking through the city streets and standing at the city gates and moving through the marketplaces. And it says that she's just kind of crying out at the top of her lungs, calling for people to listen to her, which tells you the first picture of what God says about his wisdom is that it's completely accessible. You notice it's not, and here she is, and she's, you know, hiding in a corner, and she's in a cave somewhere, and she can't be found. It's pictured as, here she is just wandering the streets, calling out to people, won't you listen to me? Are you going to listen to what I have to say? I have something valuable for you if you will hear the words that I'm trying to give you. But her message is really interesting. In verses 22 to 24, did you notice what she says there? When she says there in in verse uh, 22, how long will you love being simple? How long will you delight in scoffing? And notice verse 24, I have called, but you've refused. I've stretched out my hand and no one's listened. Here is wisdom's call in the streets to all people in public. Why are you ignoring me? An interesting picture. I'm right here for you. I'm not hidden. I'm not inaccessible. I'm right here in the very marketplace. But notice the idea of being in the marketplace is she seems to be drowned out by all the other noise that's going on. And here is wisdom saying, why do you keep ignoring me? I'm trying to give you something valuable. I'm trying to give you the wisdom you need. Imagine her walking around almost like a megaphone in the downtown streets trying to say, who wants a skillful life? Who wants to have an insightful life? Who wants to have success? Who wants to listen to what I'm trying to give them? Who wants to hear my words and have the life that I'm trying to offer? But I want you to notice what happens in verse 26. If you back up to verse 25, he says, Because you've ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Now, I want you to notice there's a picture of here's what's going to happen. You are going to be sorry by not listening to me when calamity and disaster strike. I want you to notice this doesn't say that God's laughing at you. You have this personification of wisdom. Wisdom just looks at you and kind of does a, and I told you so. (laughs) I was trying to give you wisdom for life, but you wouldn't listen. I was trying to give you the knowledge you needed, but you wouldn't pay attention. And I want you to underscore something that he says here in verse 27, when he says there, when terror strikes you like a storm, when your calamity comes like a whirlwind. There is no if. It's just a matter of when. Life comes at you like a whirlwind. When it hits you like a storm. When terror smashes you in the face. 
There's wisdom crying out and saying, here's what's going to happen. Calamity is going to come. And and I'm trying to give you the wisdom that you need before it's too late. And what unfortunately happens, as described here in verse 28, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. Is that striking to you? I'll call for you, but then you won't answer. I'm not going to answer you. They will seek me diligently, verse 28, but will not find me. This is an important component of wisdom. Let me illustrate it like this. Wisdom is kind of like how our insurance companies work. We... uh, had a situation with our roof and we were talking to them for a while and then a named storm came up. And you want to know what happens when a named storm comes up? Insurance doesn't talk to you anymore. They go, we are not going to have a discussion until that storm's gone. You can't get hurricane insurance when the hurricane is named and coming. You can't get fire insurance when your house is on fire. You cannot get health insurance when you have a disease. Then you get your little pre-existing condition line. You can't get it after the fact. And that's what wisdom is saying. You need wisdom in place beforehand. Otherwise, it's too late. The calamity has already hit. The problem has already come. And now you don't know what to do. And now you're going to start searching and start trying to figure it out. But you're already down the wrong road. You already could have had this preventative wisdom in place. But you didn't listen. So you're in the predicament you're in. And now it's too late. And that's why this first chapter exists. I'm trying to give you life preparation so that it doesn't have to be that way. I'm trying to give you the insurance you need for life so that you don't have to have disaster come upon you. When the trials hit, it doesn't have to be a catastrophe. And that's what he's even saying there in verse 33. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and be at ease without dread of disaster. I'm trying to keep you from your life just exploding when a trial happens. When the storm comes, you will know the path to go. You will know which way to take. You know where to put your hope. You'll be ready for it, but you won't be ready if you don't have wisdom in place first. In fact, notice that's the picture that he gives in verse 31. Verse 31 Therefore, they will eat the fruit of their ways and have fill of their own devices. Shorthand of that is you're going to pay for your decisions. And I think if we all had a moment of raising our hands honesty, we'd all say, yep, I've paid a lot of consequences for decisions I've made in life. And you've seen other people pay the consequences for decisions that they've made in life. And here is God coming along and saying, I'm trying to keep that from happening. I'm doing everything I can to keep you from having that kind of disaster, that kind of consequence and that kind of outcome. And unfortunately, what wisdom says is what we choose to do is often we don't seek him now. We make bad decisions and then we reap the consequences. Think about how many times. People consider crying out to God after the disaster has obliterated their lives. 
How often does that happen? Almost all the time. So often people have no regard for God and his wisdom until their life is completely leveled. And I want you to hear wisdom saying, I I was here for you beforehand if you just would have listened. If you would have just taken my instruction. If you would have listened to that correction. If you would have turned right here when I said turn. This wouldn't have had to go down that way. But it did because you didn't listen. And all of this is God's words. So big message with three quick points. Big message. I just want you to think about who you're listening to in your life. We all listen to somebody. We all listen to somebody. I would say the vast majority of who we listen to is ourselves. I'm going to do what I want to do and what I think is best and when it's comfortable for me and what I think is right. And I, we're, we're in charge. And I want you to see that Proverbs 1 is saying, don't do that. Nowhere in chapter 1 did he say, here is how to prevent life storms. Just follow your heart and follow your experience and follow your knowledge and you're going to be great. (laughs) He's telling you, don't do that. You don't want to do that. That's going to be a disaster to your life. That's going to be the pain when it comes. And so whose guidance do you follow? And I want you to notice there is a a growing of age that happened in this chapter. Because he started with, listen to your parents. He starts with, right out of the gate when you're real young. Your wisdom, right out of the gate. For your life is to start learning to listen to them. Listen to those directions. Listen to those instructions. And if you're older in life now, I do hope one, you're able to look back and see what your parents were attempting to do. And they maybe didn't do it very well. But I hope you're able to see the intent of what was behind it. And maybe you lived your life and said, they made a mess of things and this was the better way to go and I've learned from God how to go. But I hope that to some degree, you're able to look and see there were some things that they were doing that was trying to set you on the right path. That's what good parents do. And so here's this first picture of wisdom from the very beginning. Listen to your parents. Even though my father is 74 years old, I still want to listen to what he has to say. I still have respect for his insights and his understanding. I want to know his thoughts. I want to compare with what he has to say about things and how he looks at life and looks at the world and looks at God. That is something that we don't discard when we turn 18. We just, you know, hey, 18, goodbye parents, you know. And I hope you'll appreciate the parents that you have, at least in that regard, to listen to them in that way, that because they are the first influencers and the first teachers of your life. And as you grow, then what happens? You get your circle of friends. And he tells you, make sure you're real careful about the circle of friends you're listening to. As you grow, your influence of your parents wanes and the the influence of your, your, your friends grows. 
And you're going to be concerned about them and what they want for you. And those circles are not only when you're in elementary school and middle school and in high school and in college. They're the circles you have at work. They're the circles you have in your neighborhood. You have circles of friends in your lives. Be careful that they're not enticing you to do wrong. Look carefully. They're setting a trap right in front of you. Don't be like the one who will walk into it. Be like the bird who looks at it and goes, that's useless. I'm not walking into that. That's not a good idea. That's not smart. I don't need circles of friends that are wrecking my life. I've got enough enemies. I don't need friends like that. Right? I mean, why would we keep circles who are trying to harm us? Why do we allow them to influence our lives in in that way? That's what his question is ultimately to us. They can ruin our lives if if we listen to them. And then finally, listen to God's wisdom now. Don't wait to listen to the wisdom of God. Now, please think about God's word and God's wisdom like life insurance. This is your insurance for life. This will keep you from a lot of troubles. This will keep you out of a lot of pain. This will guide you in the right paths. And this can help you and be applied when, the, when your difficulties come. Don't compound your calamities and disasters by ignoring what he has to say here. And let me end with this idea. We can spend a lot of our lives ignoring what God has to say. And you might be able to look back over your life and go, yeah, I've made a, a big mess of a lot of things. And I want you today to take the opportunity to restart with God now. Let today be the day where this chapter just opens up to you and goes, I've been listening to all the wrong voices in my life. I've been listening to myself. I've been listening to the wrong circle. I've been following the wrong directions. And I need to make God be the place where I find wisdom and direction. You can restart. That's one of the great things is you can restart now. Get the wisdom now. Hear God's words now. To prepare you for the next difficulty that's going to come. God is not casting you to the side. But rather wants you to come to him this this very day. Who are you listening to? And will it be God that you will listen to in your life? Let's uh, end in prayer. Heavenly Father. Lord, we can be so tempted to listen to everyone else but you. There are so many voices today, Lord. There can be so much noise in this world today that tries to give us advice and counsel and direction. Lord, I pray that you would forgive us for as often as we don't listen to what you're trying to tell us. Forgive us for when we have ignored your wise counsel. Forgive us for when we have run with people who are encouraging us to do wrong and to do evil. 
And forgive us for when we have lacked in honor and respect and obedience to our parents in our lives. And Lord, I pray that you would impress upon our hearts so that we would see that wisdom comes from these steps. Help us to honor and respect the parents that we have, though imperfect. And though to varying degrees they could have failed us, they're the parents you gave us, Lord. May we respect what they attempted to do in our lives. And that we would listen to the godly counsel that they did put into our lives at various times. And Lord, give us courage and strength to avoid circles that we may have that are pushing us away from you. Help us to be strong. And help us to to develop new circles that would encourage us in righteousness. That would encourage us to faith and encourage us in a spiritual walk with you. And Lord, help us to have an intensity to hear your word and to adopt the wisdom that you are giving to us, to hear the counsel that you are trying to give us, that you are the only place for wisdom and that it all starts with fearing you. Help us to seek that with all of our hearts. And we pray, Lord, that as we encounter our decisions in life, no matter how small or how great, whether they be monumental decisions or seemingly insignificant, that we would seek you and that we would make decisions based on your counsel and wisdom. And help us when life gets hard to look to you for security and help. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll sing an invitation song to you this morning and invite you to come to the wisdom of God, to turn away from sin, to be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. I just want you to think about this morning that that influencer that you have in your life, what is pushing you? What, what directs your life? Who tells you the way to go? And I hope that you will look this week into making God that director, that he will be the one who guides your paths and makes your steps secure. We'd love to help you get right with God to start that um, relationship with him before it's too late. Would you let us know and come forward now while we stand and while we sing?